what if I just like, welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone. <laughs> welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies. My name is Arnaldo, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. Birdo. Sorry, I almost trampled over you there. <laughs> yeah, so let's just get right into it. What movie are we watching today, Birdo? The Legend of Zorro. Yeah, that is the second Zorro, the sequel from 2005. I get these titles mixed up all the time (laughs) because they're very similar. Mask of Zorro, Legend of Zorro. But Mask of Zorro is the first one, Legend of Zorro, the second one. They only made two, so this is is it. So we're doing this because we did Mask of Zorro last week. If you skip that episode, I suggest listening to that one. Fuck this episode. Uh, (laughs) No, and then come back and check it out, right? Right. And definitely watch that movie because that's actually a very good movie. I, yeah, spoiler alert for that episode last week. I said Mask of Zorro is the best movie we've watched so far. Whoa. In my opinion. And you said you're still on Kick-Ass. Yeah, that's... But I I would say it's it's Mask of Zorro for me. I think that's a a really good one. That's a fair one, too, because I had a lot of fun watching that. Yeah. So, this movie is available on Stars. Does anybody have that? No. So, but uh, you can always rent a movie. So, if you want to watch along uh, or watch the movie before you listen to us talking about it, that's how you can get that. Um, or rent it. Like I said, we own. I own this on DVD, so it wasn't a problem for me. But I also own almost everything on DVD. <laughs> so, this is never a problem for me. Otherwise, there's time codes in the description while we go through our initial thoughts, the plot, some analysis, and then keep or cancel. So are you ready to get going? Yeah, let's go. Initial thoughts. The year is 2005. Where were you and did you watch The Legend of Zorro? 2005, I was a kid. I was 12 years old. I did not watch this movie. I didn't know the sequel existed. Really? Yeah. 2005. What was popular at the time? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. (laughs) Can't think of any movies I was really watching at the time. Maybe there was an X-Men movie that came out around that time. But this was not one of those hero movies that I watched in that year. Okay. I watched this because I was such a fan of The Mask of Zorro. As a kid, I said last week, that's one that just I played on loop. I loved that movie growing up. And there was a bit of a time gap. This movie is 2005. That last one was 98. So a seven-year gap between films uh, is quite a bit. So by the time this came out, I would have been 16. So I was almost in that too cool zone to like care about something from my childhood. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I ended up going to see this movie in theaters on like a date because, again, I was 16. Okay. (laughs) And I remember being disappointed, but I don't remember much of anything else. Okay. I never saw it again. So when we watched this, it was kind of like watching it for the first time. Only thing I remember is that he has a kid in that movie, and that's it. Which we gathered from the end of the last movie. Spoiler alert. Like I said, I was always disappointed. Even at first viewing at 16, I was disappointed because it just doesn't live up to the first one. But are you ready to get into it? Yeah. The plot? All right, yeah. So let's get into the plot. The movie starts with another prologue, but this one's a lot shorter. And it just basically says that I think it's been like nine years in movie or something like that. And now California is being voted on to joining the United States of America as a state. Yeah, so this is like around the time, like, right before before the Civil War? It's, it's like immediately right before. before the Civil War, yeah. yeah. Right before the Civil War, there was such a push for more and more states for voting power. So the North kept on getting more states to join the Union, uh, knowing that they weren't slave states. Meanwhile, the Confederacy kept on 
trying to get in more slave states to like bring to their cause, keep the balance of, of voting power. But they always knew if if the North would get more and more states and outvote them, then that would lead to a civil war. All right. That was kind of the tension at the time. Prologue. And then there's the big vote. Everybody's in California is voting on whether or not to join the union. And people are worried that the election's going to get tampered with. Yeah, like right? this <laughs> kind of relevant. Kind of relevant, yeah. I was like, oh, this is of all the familiar places. But then also like this vote is very clearly like a big deal. Right. <laughs> and unlike today, they're just kind of like checking off a box. <laughs> on a ballot, then they throw it on a box. That gets put on a horse, and then it kind of goes away. It's very easy to tamper with this election. Yes, but someone says, "Oh, don't worry, Zorro will protect the like an election integrity." <laughs> but, and so, uh, I mean, he is for the people. He is, yeah, exactly. And so we see him. He's got his like his like hat and cloak. Yeah, his undercover where he's just waiting for something to happen, right? Oh, and then the little the priest walks into the chapel because he hears the boy has rang the bells for Zorro. Oh, yeah, and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And he goes, five bells for Zorro." Apparently, five bells is like the bat signal. If he, it, if it's, he, it's if he hears signal. five bells, yeah. he shows up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I didn't research. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but that's clearly like the bat signal. Yeah, it's the equivalent. And the priest is like, "Oh, Zorro's already here. Like, this is a monumental whatever." Yeah. And so then the bad guy shows up. Um, He's a racist son of a bitch, that's for sure. Yeah, just some racist guy. And he shows up uh, on a horse with some other Jacob bad guys. Jacob McGivens is the character. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, McGivens. They call him that a couple times. Yeah. So he's just like this white guy who's very clearly racist. He doesn't like Mexicans. Right, exactly. And he says a couple times about, like, the purity of something. And right in the beginning, he spews a bunch of, like racist Christian bullshit. He's yeah. Like God don't want your people or something like that. Which like, is not, it's not Christian. That's teachings. not what the Bible says. No. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, also, he's got like a huge cross, like tattooed on his face. It, it like, almost branded. looks like a, yeah, he got yeah, branded. branded, but then he starts shooting people, but he doesn't shoot people. He shoots the hats off their heads. Yeah. Is that symbolism for something? Or was he just being a dick? Well, I think this movie is supposed to be a lot more family friendly. Oh, okay. So I think instead, instead of, of using him. guns to hurt people, he's using guns to sh- scare them by shooting their hats off. Okay. Which I don't think that's a thing you can do. No. Accurately. <laughs> you probably end up shooting them in the head by accident. You probably kill somebody, yeah. Yeah. So he basically just shows up and just tells them their pl- his plan. I'm going to steal the ballots. And, yep. you know. Because yeah, he says something like, well, I haven't put my vote in yet. <laughs> Oh, that's a good accent. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was, but <laughs> so then uh, Zoro just saves the day, right? Yeah, but okay, action scene nowhere near as good as the first movie. That's yeah, that's kind of my problem here is that the action scenes are much much worse. Yeah. They're still fun, I will say that. We'll get into the the other ones, but the, this first one I really do not like. Something the first movie did really well was there was no like quick cuts or anything. And, like, the camera was zoomed out to where you can actually see them fighting. Yeah. This doesn't really have as much of that. No, at all. This first action scene just kind of breaks that completely. It's all, like, cut to Zoro's face, zoom in, close up. He does a flip, and then it cuts to his feet, and then it cuts back to his face. And It feels like, like an early 2000s action movie. Yeah. yeah. And there's some CGI in this. I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's yeah. not very good. <laughs> But this is around that era where they thought, oh, we can just do everything in CGI. A lot of this is just a product of the times that the movie was made in. 
they're just like really overconfident in their CGI skills. So they're like, no, fuck it. Like that background, all CGI. This smoke, this explosion, all, everything, we're just going to do CGI. They, they George lucas look, it. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, it's going to look exactly like real life. And it doesn't. <laughs> it does not age well, but. No. But like I was saying, so this action scene, this fight in like the town square leads to a chase. Zoro is chasing the bad guys who have the ballots. They end up fighting on a bridge. And it's all very PG. Like, nobody gets stabbed. They have swords, but nobody gets stabbed. Yeah. They've got guns, but nobody gets shot. They're just kind of like... Hitting like, each they're other? Just, yeah, they're kind of just like pretend fighting. That's how it feels like. They're like kids just pretending. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's like some weird humor. Like, the last movie was funny because it was really smart, right? Like, a lot of the physical humor was... Not, it wasn't like slapsticky, and then no, it was the, all like in the moment and yeah. like appropriate for the moment. And then the rest of the humor is all in in the writing and yeah. the, and the dialogue, which was super clever. This like immediately has like a like a crotch shot. Yeah, like he hits like a wooden like a pole, and then it like bounces up and it hits someone in the balls, and he's like ooh, and <laughs> and it like holds on on the guy for a while. Before he like falls very safely into yeah. like a, a river that's just like two yeah. feet below them, right? McGivens does get like all of his teeth knocked out in this fight, though. Oh, that's that's right. That's why he has wooden teeth. Yeah, yeah. He gets like like something. I guess Zoro hits him in the face. He falls down. He like he, spits. He all does. His he teeth spits out. them all out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did not notice that because we took a big break in this movie because that's a that's a setup and a payoff. Yeah, and we watched we watched the first like twenty minutes. And then something happened. Some, something came up. And then we finished it like two days later. Yeah. So I didn't even notice that until you uh, brought it up. Were you just thinking like, oh, he's had wooden teeth the whole time? Yeah. No, I forgot he that. He loses his teeth at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah, it just seems like a very PG fight. And all of it just seems so glossy and cartoony almost. Right? Feels very 2005. Yeah. So, meanwhile, we get to see Elena. She He goes back to his mansion. Oh, he does get his mask knocked off. And this kind of becomes important. Why? Like, during this fight, he gets his mask knocked off, and then you notice, like, these two white guys just looking at him, and then they look at each other. It's the, the two agents, because they see his mask come off, and then he, like, cuts off a piece of his own cloth off his shirt and makes another mask real quick. Those two guys were there? Yeah. Jeez, man. You see, like, this is what <laughs> happens when you take a break in a movie. I did not piece that together. I don't. I didn't notice them until we see them later on. That, that's another, like, okay. payoff type thing. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But th- th- it's my own fault for not watching this in one viewing. Again, something came <laughs> up. We had to stop watching the movie anyway. <laughs> so he goes back to his mansion, and we see Elena, who's played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, and their son, who's about maybe, like, 11 or 12, you'd say? Maybe 11. Oh, this is, what, like nine 10? years later? He's probably, like, 10. Oh, yeah, he's supposed to be, like, nine or 10. Exactly, yeah, yeah you're right. She's expecting him to give up being Zorro now because now that California is part of the United States, they have no need for Zorro because the United States is like a well put together government with like federal agents and police and yeah. yada yada. But one of the catches was like it was going to take like three months for it to become official or something. And yeah, then, so get like and certified and and Alejandro was saying like you know Zorro might still need to help you know keep. Yeah order exactly during this time also it's the beginning of the movie so yes zoro yeah. does need so stuff will come up <laughs> yeah but that's not good enough for her she she's the like she's the love interest to the superhero that wants him to quit right for her right and for the kid and so she kind of gives him an ultimatum she's like no we need to travel and we need to leave and we need to 
be a family and if it's basically Zoro or me. And, and he he's just like, I'm sorry, this is who I am. Yeah, like he has to be Zoro. So the next day she drops off uh, the kid at school. The kid is named Joaquin, who's named after um, Alejandro's brother. Alejandro's brother. Alejandro is Zoro, played by Antonio Banderas. We kind of skipped that part. We kind of assume you knew that, but. <laughs> so the kid is talking to the mom. Uh, Joaquin is talking to Elena. He kind of like resents his dad for never being around. Right, which uh, it's because, like, you know, he's a superhero. He's exactly, yeah. yeah. And then she realizes that she's being followed. And then she gets kind of cornered by these two guys. And those were the two guys you mentioned saw Zoro's they face. Saw, yeah. And they recognized who he was, obviously, because yeah. now they're following his wife. Exactly. They follow her into like an alley. I never understand why, like, this happens in movies all the time. When someone's being followed they and they're like in a street, alley. they walk into an alley instead of staying in like the populated area. They're like, yeah. oh, let me get away. Let me go into this alley where... Where I will be cornered. Exactly. Let me yeah. go to the worst, most dangerous place I can And then think we get, of. like, a little fight scene where she starts beating them up. Like, if I'm being followed, I'm going straight to the police department. Oh, hell yeah. You know? Like, just walk into the sheriff's office and be like, hey, like... Or just somewhere I'm very populated followed. where, like... Yeah. There's witnesses. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so she kind of does a fight with them. Yeah. But... She starts beating them up, but then they um kind of pull out some documents or something... Basically something that proves that they know that her husband is Zoro. And the implication here is that they're blackmailing her into doing something. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> Alejandro's in a bathhouse. With a bunch of men. But Well, I mean, that's what a bathhouse is. But they have got like this floating table where they're playing poker yeah. in the middle. I was looking at that and I'm like, that looks kind of fun, honestly. Like, I kind of want a floating table for like a jacuzzi. We <laughs> can play poker on it. Yeah, they're all, they're all just sitting in a tub naked playing poker well, yeah, together. Well, that's what they did. But yeah. like... Other than, like, the naked part, that kind of sounds fun. I'd be down. Uh, but, yeah, he makes a comment. He's like, I don't, I don't want to sit with you naked guys anymore. He gets up, leaves, but he gets he gets served yeah. uh, by someone, and it's, like, a divorce notice. Did this all happen in the same day? Yeah, it was, like, the next day. Okay. It's really convenient that she gave him the ultimatum the day before, and now they can be like, Yeah, because okay, now so. it's like, oh, there's a reason for the divorce. Exactly. We'll, we'll get into that, but anyway. Yeah. So, divorce... Uh, and then it just says three months later. Boom. It's assumed that they're uh, divorced now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he wakes up in a hotel, and apparently he's been heavily drinking. He just gets drunk every night. Yeah, just like the, he used to. Right. The maid walks in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wakes up, and, and he's naked, and he's like, where, where are my clothes? And she's like, oh, I took them off of you because... And she's like blushing because they were all wet. Because <laughs> you went for a swim after you got home, and he's like... Does this hotel have a pool? And she's like, no, but it has a fountain. And she's giggling like she was there. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he just got drunk and jumped into a fountain. Yeah. So she stripped him and put him in bed, I guess. I guess. Sexually assaulted him. Back and then the... There's sexual assault in every single movie we've the... watched, by the way. <laughs> and then, um, what was his name? Father? What is his name? Was. Actually, no, I'm very interested because he... He's a cool character. He's fine. Uh, his name is Padre Felipe. Okay. So uh, he's the priest, but he's he's basically his commissioner Gordon. Yeah, like straight up. Uh, again, he he rings the bells. He keeps tabs well, on all like, like the crime. He's kind of like a commissioner Gordon mixed with Alfred a little bit too. He's like his helper. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so he walks in and he he's there to help him because yeah. like well he immediately like scolds Lupe. He's like, I'll see you at confession. Because yeah. <laughs> Alejandro's standing there naked and he's like, stop looking at me. And she's just giggling, looking at his dick. 
He's basically like, he's like, you need to stop being your drunk self right now and get your shit together. You're coming with me to a party tonight. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't come, don't bother coming to confession because I'll never forgive you. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Trying to set them straight. But, yeah. uh, so they go to a really fancy, like, soiree. Yeah. Um, and it's hosted by our... A French fuck. His name is Count Armand. Is the character's name Armand. It's played by Rufus... I don't know how to say his name. Sewell? Sewell. Sewell? Uh, dude's very famous. If you see him, he's one of those, like, that guy. Yeah, it's like, like, I've seen that guy. And you don't know from where, but he... Uh, he's in a this lot is, of shit. It's the Knight's Tale. He's the bad guy in Knight's Tale. And this guy's a uh, very, uh, he looks like a bad guy. Just look at his face and you're like, he he looks evil. The Holiday, that's right, he's in The Holiday. Isn't he in, um... Is he a French actor? Or is he English? He's English. Okay. <laughs> I could kind of tell he wasn't French. What else is he in? Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember him from, um... The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? From Night's Tale. <laughs> Armand, that's his name. Anyway, yeah, as soon as he gets there, as soon as he's on screen, you immediately know this is the bad guy. Yeah. It's something about recognizable actor mixed with like just the way he's talking. You're like, boom, bad guy. <laughs> they they have a run in and they start to kind of like get to know each other or whatever. And then it shows up Elena. So apparently this is Elena's new boyfriend. Yes. And, and uh, whoo, what a surprise that is for yeah, Alejandro. Just, Alejandro. <laughs> you know, he's pissed about it. So he just immediately starts chugging as much alcohol as he can uh, and then makes a big fool of himself and, at the party. And Padre's like, maybe we should leave. <laughs> yeah, so instead he goes to dance and they, they're they doing like one of those kind of uh, big orchestrated dances like the really fancy ones where everyone's like in a line. It's a line dance. Well, yeah, like, not okay. like cowboy. Right, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like the ones for the ones from like old timey movies. Like fancy party dancing. And that, during this point I'm like, what? This is such a downgrade from the last movie <laughs> in terms of like a fancy party and a dance. Because the last movies had that tango scene. Yeah. It had so much good character interactions. It had really good dialogue. And this just seems so just like cheap and watered down, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they have arguments about like, oh, now you're with this guy and blah, blah, blah. The, the same shit you've seen in a thousand movies. Yeah. This is just a very recycled plot point. But as this goes on, he's just getting angrier and more drunk. And and making more of a fool of himself, yeah. Which I guess is the point. Like, he basically, he embarrasses himself in front of everybody. Exactly. So, um, Elena, like, tells him to, like, leave. He does leave, and then he's just, he continues drinking, uh, like, with Tornado the horse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Tornado kind of walks off, and then you hear an explosion. And I don't know what you thought. This movie wasn't clear at all, but I thought Tornado died. <laughs> yeah, because it was like in the direction that Tornado walked off. Tor- in. Yeah, Tornado just walks off. He trots off, and then you hear an explosion right there. And then Alejandro goes to, to see what it is, and he just sees a big it, crater. Also, like I didn't know what this explosion was because it was just like a bright, almost like blue light. Well, it's the it's the plot point, right? But, but we don't find that out till later. Yeah, this almost didn't need to be in the movie, by the way. <laughs> I'll be honest. At first, I thought it was like. Did, like, a meteor hit the ground? Yeah. And it doesn't... Him witnessing this explosion doesn't clue him into what's happening later. No, it just... It makes him suspicious of something, sort of, but, like... Well, actually, no, it makes us suspicious. Exactly. I think it's just there to break up boring parts of the plot. Yeah. You know? (laughs) It it might be a way of letting, like, the audience know, like, hey, something's up. But it's stupid, is what I'm saying. Because things don't just explode. (laughs) And again, they weren't clear... 
if the horse died or not. And I'm just very worried about the horse. And like, if they fucking kill this horse for no reason, I'm going to be very upset. And you don't see the horse until later in the movie. So I was wondering the entire time if the horse exploded. And we do later find out what this explosion actually was. Yeah. And the horse is fine. But I'm just saying it's kind of an unnecessary scene. But anyway, at one point we see uh, Joaquin at school and he's like not paying attention in class. And the teacher's being, well, this is like a Catholic school, right? Yeah. That's why he's like yeah. smacking kids right, and putting right, dunce right. caps on it's them. It's like 1850 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, it's like dunce caps and like he's hitting kids with rulers and shit. Yeah. And so uh, Joaquin kind of stands up for the class and... He starts dueling his teacher. <laughs> he starts having a sword fight with his teacher with like rulers. Yeah. And then he does like a flip. And then he does like a swing from some from like which is a, all very like Zoro like. But how did he, he learn liter- this stuff? He literally if, just does Zoro things. How did he learn any of this if he has no idea that his dad is Zoro? I don't think his dad trains him to fight because no, his exactly. dad's never there. Exactly. And then he jumps out the window, like the second story window, does a flip, lands, is fine, and then gets. Why, why in is trouble. this ten year old kid a Zoro? It makes Zoro is not a hereditary thing. Like it makes absolutely no sense. It'd be different if he, like. If he was being trained or something, but like that's not the case. So uh, at least the movie doesn't make it seem like. I don't know if you noticed the major theme in this movie is that Zoro is a family. The whole family is is Zoro in in like idea. Right. They literally make all three of them a Zoro. Like they're all doing sword fights. Well, even in the first one, Elena was like skilled in sword fighting. Yeah, but in this one, I think she does a flip too. She does. Okay, so why? How? (laughs) Like they're not. These people aren't trained to do that. And not only that, she's the one who's like, we're not fighting. We're not doing any of this Zoro shit. Right. And she's not trying to instill this in her kid either. Meanwhile, the kid is having sword fights with the teacher. I get the, quote unquote, the metaphor, because the kid is standing up for the people, his his classmates, yeah. against the oppressive teacher. So he thinks himself a Zoro. That's cute. I get it. But it's goofy. <laughs> it's You know what I mean? Yeah. Why fight the teacher? It's cringy. Like I was a little uncomfortable. I'm like, this is this is clearly for the kids. It's like it's like, oh hey, kids can be badass too. And you know how you hate your teacher? Do you want to fight your teacher, make a fool of him? He, at one point, he like jump out kicks the his teacher in the ass too. Yeah, I'm like yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's not he okay. assaulted him. Well, to be fair, the teacher was kind of assaulting the kids, but sure, that's also kind of how things were. They should have, if they wanted to prove their point that the kid like wants to be a Zoro. And he wants to be a hero in his own right. There should have been something hinting. At there that. should have been a bully or something. Yeah, like not him attacking his something, teacher. something more justified than exactly attacking the teacher. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and he shouldn't be doing flips because why is he already an expert Zoro at the age of ten? You know. Anyway. Yeah, because there's there, again, there's nothing to indicate that he's had any sort of training. Right. So meanwhile. <laughs> Alejandro runs into, well, follows Elena to the market the next day. And we have like a little bit of a humorous scene where he's like popping his head out from behind like a watermelon stand and just staring at her. <sighs> okay, yeah, but <laughs> in terms of humor, it's it's very... It's it's, it's weak. It's, it's childish, weak. Yeah. too. It's not smart humor like the last one. No. Was. It's a little kind of like... It's like a... <laughs> it was like a Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd kind of like following him around type deal. Yeah. But, like, she tries to distract Armand because he's – he is there for a serious reason. He wants to talk to her about the explosion that he saw. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, basically – But that conversation he, never happens. Yeah. He runs into Armand. Armand invites him back to his place to play polo 
But when they go to play polo, which is the soccer on a horse with sticks game. Yeah, you know, like, you see the polo shirt logo, they're playing polo on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But instead, they, like, start jousting. <laughs> yeah, I... That's not a part of polo. Okay, right? yeah, I've never actually seen the sport, so I didn't know if that was just something that they did. I think what they do is that they run to hit the ball. And whoever gets there first? It get, has to control the ball, exactly. But, but instead, they were jousting. They were literally and jousting. And then hitting the ball. Exactly. So they're trying to knock each other off the horse just to being manly or something. I don't yeah. know. But then at one point, the bad guy, Armand, breaks his stick and makes yeah. like a sharp edge and tries to joust with that. So he tries to stab Alejandro. Right in front of everyone. Well, Again, I guess Elena. What, what kind of bad guy are you that you're just, just going to up front just be like, all right, I'm going to kill this guy. Like You're not even pretending to be because he's supposed to be... The kind of like he's he's like a Bond villain. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a like a charming bad guy where like you're yeah. not quite sure exactly. Well, I mean, we as a viewer know he's bad, but like the other characters don't, you know. Exactly. He's almost like mustache twirling bad at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, God, yeah, like there's just some. I'm just trying to realize how random a lot of these scenes are. Like it doesn't really. <laughs> it's not very coherent the way that this movie jumps around because. Yeah. The next action piece that we get, Zorro hears from Felipe, the his his commissioner Gordon, that uh, they some characters that Zorro was interacting with earlier. Yeah, some nice friend of theirs. Nice, yeah. Their uh, farm was being targeted by the bad guys yeah. from the beginning. The what's his name? What are we calling him? Is it Jacob, the racist guy? I think it's Jacob something. Jacob. McGivens. McGivens. Yeah, so McGivens, the bad guy, he's got the long hair, the fucking brand on his face, that guy. Yeah. He's he he's going to strong arm this guy into selling him his uh, property. Well, I don't think he's trying to get him to sell anymore. I think he's just straight up trying to take the deed now. Yeah, he's just trying yeah. to kill him. Because he, yeah, so they have like a, like a shootout. And Zoro comes to try to save the day. And it's Zoro against about like 10 guys with guns. Which is... Usually how yeah, it is. It, yeah. It's part for the course for Zoro. Yeah. I was kind of expecting a little more he's fighting these people. Instead, he kind of was on a chase in a different part of the scene. Like, he's just not doing that much. I, he I kind of showed up and, like, basically stopped them from, like, straight up killing the farmers. But then I think he was ch- – was he chasing the Givens? He was chasing because the, the, the wife goes to the barn. Right. And leaves the husband in the house. So the action is in two different places. Yeah. Zorro's in the l- least interesting of the two places. And <laughs> the shootout, Zorro's not there. For that part. Right, because, yeah, it's just the man in the house in the uh, shootout with, like, ten guys. I don't know. He does Zorro do... kind of left him to die. Yeah, well, he went to go save the girl and the baby. Right. Which, but... Okay, I get that. He does do a really good ladder run. That's That, that might was, be the highlight of the That was movie. impressive as fuck. So there's a guy walk... There's a bad guy going up a ladder, and Zorro, instead of... He just runs up the ladder around the guy... To get to the second floor of the barn. Before the guys even um, up the ladder. It's the one good stunt in the whole movie. I'll be honest, when it happened, I was like, that was very impressive. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and it felt a lot like it belonged in the last movie that was filled of stuff like that. Just like parkour and ladder runs yeah. and flips and all kinds of platforming and sort of whips and shit. This one doesn't have as much of that, but that ladder run was, that was good. That was uh, good, yeah. And but then... <laughs> the whole point of this scene is that he loses. The guy gets killed. The guy gets killed. Um, uh, the baby almost dies. Yeah, the baby's baby like lit on fire. Yeah, <laughs> they lit a baby on fire. The baby, or sorry, not the baby. The fire is very CGI too. It does not look good. No, unlike the first movie where it's like they they use real stuff. Yeah, they actually burn down their sets. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because there's a fire in the first one too, and it looks yeah. much better. 
Yeah, so the point of the scene is that he loses. The His friend is is killed. Yeah, he's very upset. The, the whole it. point is to kind of keep on beating down Zoro, right? Which, yeah, it seems like a lot of this movie's like, oh, you know, Zoro is just getting beat down the whole time. But, you know, maybe eventually he'll uh, rise up again. Yeah. So, Elena, meanwhile, we see her sending off carrier pigeons because she is, I guess, a spy. It turns out that the two guys who accosted her at the beginning of the movie want her to spy on Armand for, for them. And we know that she's being blackmailed to do it. So as she's trying to spy on Armand during a dinner and he's, she's trying to sneak around his house, Zoro's trying to do the same thing. So they're both sneaking around the house. They don't know they're there and they have a comical kind of like running into each other. Yeah. That, Wait, that was okay. Yeah, but what trope is that? That's very much, uh, you know, like when like two characters are, are backing up and they back up into each other. And then they're like, ah. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't that? know what that's called, but yeah, it was that. Uh, I'm trying to think of examples of where they use that, but it was Scooby-Doo. literally that because, yeah, it felt very <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Because they're both sneaking around on the same thing. They're both walking on the outside of windows. But they're like on opposite sides yeah. of the building. Which, and then they, what are the fucking odds? Like, eventually seriously. they like converge with each other. Yeah. And, then, and, and she's it, like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. And again, the movie's trying to say that Elena is also like a Zorro. She's doing her, her own detective She's thing. not a good her spy, bow. though. She almost <laughs> blows her cover, like... Five well, times. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Zorro almost blew his cover, like, eight times in the first movie, too. He's a terrible spy. No, he was doing a good job, I thought, in the first movie. He kept antagonizing the, yeah. the villain while he was... Still, I thought he was getting it done. Um, barely. He was barely getting it done. So instead of them both realizing that they're kind of on the same side on this they just keep arguing right they should be like hey tell me what you know i'll tell you what i know and then together we'll piece it together i thought it was gonna be like a stranger thing situation where at the end of every stranger Things season they're like wait what have you been doing this whole time oh well let me tell you what because I they've got. been separate the whole season up yeah. until like the last like they've, two episodes they've been working on different cases and then they realize it's all connected right yeah, yeah. i thought that was what they were gonna do but well it seemed like if they had a little bit more time maybe they would have done that but Armand hears Elena, like, talking on the balcony, and he's like, what are you doing out here? Yeah. Zoro's just kind of, like, uh, doing a Spider-Man on the top, hiding. Which he does in the first movie, too. <laughs> so Zoro basically uh, overhears the bad guy's plan, which is to, like, build a railroad through the plot of land that they stole from, from the guy they just killed. And weren't they going to use, like, um, I don't know if we know what they're doing with the railroad yet at this point. Uh, yeah, at this point, they're just going to build a railroad. Yeah. Meanwhile, Elena intercepts a transmission about some word that she doesn't understand. But it's, it's in Latin. And but in this transmission, there is some English words too, and it t- it does talk about that explosion that Zoro saw, where they were testing a new weapon. Oh, okay, okay, okay cool. It's like very brief on the yeah. screen. Meanwhile, Joaquin goes on a field trip with this school. <laughs> that didn't know that was a thing that they were doing then. Okay, so anyway, they're on a field trip. McGiven shows up, yeah. obviously. There must be like 100 people in this town because they keep on running into each other. But And they were just up. like stopping to grab like water and shit. Yeah. yeah. And so he's kind of intimidating them a little bit. Joaquin, who thinks himself also as a Zorro, uh, decides to hide on their wagon Which and looked, see what they're up to. That looked incredibly uncomfortable. And super dangerous. <laughs> this kid's like 10 years old. He hitches a ride until they get to... Um, Looks like a quarry. Yeah, they're moving packages. Yeah, we find out it's we soap. Find, oh, spoiler. It's just, yeah, it's just bars of soap. <laughs> Zoro shows up. Don't know how. Don't know why he would have been there. But Zoro shows up to save the day. 
He must have been following some well, lead that we didn't No, see. it's poor writing. You know why? Do you know what a um, deus ex machina is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they do it in this movie like three times. He um, shows up just in the nick of time to say, yeah. yeah. A deus ex machina is when it's a writing tool. When you've put your characters in a situation that they can't reasonably get out of, essentially you've written yourself into a corner, then a third party miraculously shows up and saves the day. Yeah. And that's a situation you try to avoid because but it's it, cheap. But it does happen. It happens a lot in that, a lot it, of It media. happens a lot. In, in, in better movies... They'll still use these, but they'll justify it. They'll they'll write it up a little bit to justify why that character would be there, but it's still kind of a deuce. Kind of like in this movie, there's it happens three times. Gandalf showing up at the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep, even though I don't know if that counts because that it was set up earlier that he would be there at a certain time. Maybe, yeah. Because he was like you know hold out until like the first light of dawn or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But I mean, if you want to list examples, we can probably list a bunch. But we in this point, plenty. Exact. But my point is, this kid hitched a ride on a wagon. He didn't know where he was going. They took him to the middle of nowhere, and Zoro just knows where to go. Knows his kid's in danger, <laughs> and, and is there just to save the day. How did he you know, know that? Was there's, there's, no, there's no cell phones. There's them, no though? trackers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He would have had to. I, again, he would have just had to have been at the right place at the right time to be there and save him. Which, to be fair, can happen, but it's mm, happening a lot. No, no. It's happening a it, lot. It happens like two other times in this yeah. movie. So anyway, uh, Zoro saves the day, saves the kid. They escape together. And, and they, Joaquin steals a bar of soap. That Takes a bar of soap, yeah. exactly. So they have a little scene, which I thought was interesting, because Joaquin is super excited to see Zoro as his hero. But Zoro knows if he sees my face at all, he's going to recognize me. I'm his dad. Yeah. He's not wearing again. He's he keeps, not wearing that he much. He keeps turning Joaquin like away from him. Yeah, the scene was cute, except that I have mixed feelings about this because uh, Zoro tells him in Spanish, like, "Oh, speak to me in Spanish." I, he doesn't say why. I think he, he says, says something like the language of our fathers or something. That's like, stupid. Yeah, but why? His point is he won't recognize my voice if we speak in Spanish. But Which, you know, maybe he doesn't speak a lot of Spanish at home. But the kid knows Spanish. The kid's bilingual, so he <laughs> must speak Spanish. At that's home. true too. <laughs> and it's a cute scene, but the context is a little weird. No, the logic makes no sense yeah. because even if you don't speak to someone, in, because I'm bilingual, I speak to people in different languages, right? And specifically, certain people in certain languages, like I speak to my mom in Spanish, I speak to my friends in English, I speak to my coworkers in Spanish. But if any of these people were to start speaking to me in the other language, I would still. 1,000% recognize, recognize their, their voice. voice. That's total nonsense. <laughs> and so the fact that at first I was like, this is kind of offensive for you to tell me that you can't recognize someone's voice in a different language. But at the same time, they put this entire scene in Spanish. So the justification for doing so was shit. But I like that it happened. You know what I mean? The end result, I was all for because it's super cute. That if he it has was this better moment. implemented. Exactly. He has this really nice moment with his kid and it's all in Spanish, all subtitles. And they do it for like two, three minutes. It's not short. No, it's they it's stuck a long to scene. it. And it is a good scene. Yeah. It's so, just it's out of place. I'm all for it. But don't say it's so that he doesn't recognize your voice because that's bullshit <laughs> like you sound exactly the same you sound like antonio banderas yeah. we would recognize you like you don't speak spanish you would still recognize his voice yeah. if you just heard him speaking better logic would have been like hey talk to me in spanish so you know the people around us if they're listening don't understand what we're saying 
Well, I mean, they're in California. They're, yeah, but they're all That's like, the other thing. They're is all like, like white Americans. When, not, not the racist bad guys. Okay, okay. It, so it, you know what they should have done? They should have got captured. Oh, yeah. That would have worked. That would have worked because all all of their captors would have been the racist and white have guys. the racist guy be like, stop and, speaking Spanish. And, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and But they would be speaking Spanish to each other and that would have been proper justification and probably a better scene too. Yeah. Look, man, we can write this movie better than they can. That's all I'm saying. But it is like a cute like father-son scene where he's trying to like hide himself. Yeah. So he takes the soap back to Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> the priest. <laughs> Priest Commissioner Gordon is what I'm going to start calling him. Sims Felipe. And they look up what the symbol means. And the symbol on the soap and the words that they couldn't read in Latin. And it's all a secret society. It's basically the Illuminati. Isn't it like the, the Knights of Aragon? Something something like that, yeah. I don't know if that's real or not. But it's it's essentially like an Illuminati type deal. Yeah. Where they're like very conveniently Which read is, it in a book. and Yeah. Which is a cool idea. I like the idea of there being a secret society. What's stupid is that they just have a book that has yeah. everything about the secret society. Exactly. You're not very secret if all of your information's in like an encyclopedia I, or something. I, yeah, ex- yeah, for one. I also hate when in movies they treat books like Google that you can immediately find the thing you're looking for and you're like, oh, here's all the information right here. It'd be different if Go you were like in like the library in the Vatican or something where yeah. they have like archives of shit. That's a little different. Sure. That too. But it would take you forever to find this information in books. Like, books have indexes and stuff, but still, you Even know. Even with the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> but you can't just, like, open a book and be like, hey, here's all the answers conveniently for us. Let's yeah. read it. And no. So now they're suspecting this, uh, this secret society. Um, and they don't know what they would want soap for. So they're yeah. they're confused. Elena has the other half to this puzzle. She just hasn't shared her information. She, oh, the explosion. The explosion. But and he knows uh, that too. And it was the same words that she didn't understand. It was the Latin words. <sighs> but yeah. Nonsense. Right after this, Alejandro leaves the church and then that's when he gets like stabbed by the the agent with the ring. They stab him? Oh, yeah. yeah. They stab him with like a tranquilizer. Yeah. I was trying to, I was reading I, I, my notes. I wrote Ben because the actor that plays one of the agents is Ben Linus from Lost. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, they should have made him the bad guy. He's a good actor. <laughs> but this was still early in his career. This was around season two of Lost. Oh, okay. So not later yeah. on where he's already like the big bad. But uh, 2005. Yeah, Alejandro gets like um, discreetly stabbed by some guess, sort of tranquilizer. Yeah. And he gets into like a carriage and then like passes out. They throw him in a jail and he wakes up. And it's it's the two guys from the beginning, the two yeah. agents. that. Um, yeah, we find out that they're actually Pinkerton agents. Yeah. They're detectives, Pinkertons. So um, they're like, hey, you're dumb. We know you're Zorro. Stop getting in the way because we are employing your ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, you stay here. Otherwise, we're going to tell everyone that you're Zorro. (laughs) However, here's the thing. He's Zorro. Like, why not ask him to like Why didn't they recruit him? Exactly. He didn't have history with Armand, though. And Elena did. So I guess that's. Still, Zorro. But still uses help. Like that he's, way he, he's the legendary Zorro. This he wouldn't called Legend of Zorro. He wouldn't be getting and in the way, you know, if I mean? you gave him information. Yeah, they should have brought him. In. I mean, and they there's a throwaway line. They're like, "Oh, you're we don't deal with vigilantes or something like that." But still, he's fucking Zorro. Like you know what he can do. Yeah. The whole we're gonna go out of our way to keep you out of this is counterproductive for them at this point. You know. Yeah, they could have been you know actually working on the case. 
Yeah. Anyway, Joaquin finds him <laughs> because he goes... <laughs> he's, he's going to a bar looking for his dad. He's like, I, I checked all the bars and then I thought to check the jails for you. <laughs> Which, that actually kind of made sense, honestly. But then he's like all worried. He's like, but why are you in jail? Yeah. Oh, this is because uh, he's like freaking out and looking for his dad because Elena just said yes to Armand's proposal. Right, right, right. And uh, they, they escape. And then guards show up. And then Alejandro fights them off. Joaquin's like impressed that like his dad. Yeah, he's like, like, how do you know how to do that? Dumbass jail changes a man. <laughs> it's been there for like an hour. And Joaquin just buys it. He's like, oh, all right. He's also 10. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Elena uh, basically is, is getting caught, right? Um, she gets found out. She does a Zorro too because she's fighting some people. Yeah. Uh, Zoro shows up. They they all do Zoros together. They fight. They all do Zoros together. <laughs> they all fight. It was kind of cool to see them fighting side by side. Sure. And again, it's established that she does know how to fight. Right. I just she doesn't need to be a whole Zoro on her own. Is all I'm saying with all the sneaking around, the spying, and yeah, I don't know. And so, uh, and then they have a makeout. Oh yeah, they do. It's pretty steamy too, <laughs> because at this point, Zoro knows that you know she's yeah. she was a spy. So she, he doesn't really take it personally anymore. No. It's like that, like, oh, I'm mad at you, but, like, not really. Yeah. Like, so, play fighting, and then they make out. Yeah. So together, they, they spy on Armand, and as he unveils his entire plan to all of his fellow, like, secret society people. This is basically a bad Bond movie, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, but it feels <laughs> a lot like a bad James Bond movie. Uh, and there's also an odd job. Was it the bald guy? Yeah. There's a bald guy with a wispy little mustache. And he has like it's like Armand's like bodyguard. Or yeah, something. he's yeah. An, he's an odd job. And he has like a scythe as like a weapon. Yeah, you and never he, see him use it, but he never uses it. He just shows it off like ten times and yeah. very threateningly. He never uses it. I think it's implied that he used it to kill the Pinkerton agents. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. you just. But again, you don't see him actually use it though. You see it's, what's the PGness of yeah, it? Yeah, you see both of the Pinkerton agents just dead in a closet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no blood. It's the PG. <laughs> They're very uh, pale, though. Very pale. There might be some blood. Maybe a little bit. But, oh, yeah, so he, he's explaining the plan. The plan is we're making soap because our chemists have learned that through soap you can extract the glycerins and make nitroglycerin, which is an extreme explosive. Um, you ever seen Fight Club? Yeah, that's what they do in Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> they did a Fight Club. Their plan is Project Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Project Mayhem. <laughs> His name was Robert Paulson. So the plan is they're going to send all this nitroglycerin to the Confederate Army. That way they can control the outcome of the Civil War because they do not like the United States because the United States is meddling too much with their secret society bullshit. Yeah, right? so they have like the Confederate generals in on this as well. and Yeah. You have like some general from Alabama here because of course. Yeah, obviously. So uh, th- there's a fight. Elena gets found out. The little boy gets captured. Zoro is about to blow up the train, but then he realizes that his wife and kid are, like, right Being there. taken to yeah. the train. So he's like, fuck. He's like, I gotta defuse it. He defuses the, the explosion he had going on and then gets captured. So he gets time, captured? This time his family got in the way. Yeah, he gets captured. Yeah, he gets captured, yeah. Because it's right job. after he stops the explosion, they capture him. Yeah. They're about to kill him in front of his family. And Odd Job's about to kill him. Right. Yeah. This is where Joaquin finds out that Zoro is his father because they unmask him. Oh, yeah, right in front of him. It's a very uh, shocking moment for him. He should have pieced that together, honestly. <laughs> He's you, 10. You were hanging out with him for a while. I guess you're right. 
I thought I believed in Santa Claus at times, so <laughs> this kid's already smarter than me. <laughs> so he sort of escapes. Pre shows up. Oh, that's the other. Um, oh, when they when they captured Joaquin, yeah. they shot um, Felipe. Yeah, early in the movie they shoot Felipe, uh, and, and then at this point, it's revealed that he he survives because he shows up out of nowhere and saves the day. He literally leaps out of nowhere. Yeah, didn't even try. Remember when it happened? We were like, was that? <laughs> so apparently he he survived because a bullet hit like a silver cross necklace. God saved him. Yeah, they fight McGivens, the yeah. long haired racist fuck. Yeah, they fight him for a bit. Uh, at one point, he gets like laid out on a table. Near the nitroglycerin extraction thing, and a drop of nice nitroglycerin just falls on his forehead and blows him <laughs> and the just fuck blows up. his head up. That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, actually. Off screen, obviously, because this movie's super PG. Yeah, but like you see the explosion, but you don't see like him dying. If that it, makes sense. As far as like an implicit death scene goes, it was good. He was like he's that. definitely dead. Yeah, like yeah. and you could very much envision what happened. Yeah, <laughs> you can picture he, it. He's fucking gone. So and they're all on the train. The train has like wine bottles full of nitroglycerin. Yeah, because that's what he was using to like smuggle it. I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Elena, the boy, they're all on the train and. Zoro is catching up on the train on his horse. This is very much like Chekhov's train. <laughs> Any of these like they showed dumb the train. Now movies, they have to use it. Now they have to fight on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a train, there's gonna be a fight on top of the train. <laughs> That's how these movies work. Right. It's in all of them. <laughs> um, it's even worse than that because the horse jumps on top of the train at one point. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, because the train like goes on past this hill and it just jumps off the hill onto the train. He, Already an incredible feat. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a part where there's a tunnel coming. It's a very like Wiley Coyote <laughs> and moment. Like, oh shit! <laughs> and so he's running backwards and he runs. He leaps the horse instead of off the train into like a stable cart. Yeah, an incredibly conveniently placed stable cart. Because then he's there's like just there's hay around them and there's like oh he's like oh perfect I'm just leaving my horse here did in the trains stable. Trains regularly have stable carts back then. Though? I mean, not, I feel like they would have. Not an empty one. That's true. Why they, would you carry? They that weren't way? using that train to bring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that train was not meant for passengers. <laughs> so anyway, so he fights his way through the train. Eventually, he's fighting Armand. Obviously, they're on top of the train. Yeah. The tracks uh, get switched on accident. So the train's headed straight towards um, where the, I guess the governor of California is. Is signing off for. Yeah. uh, He's like ratifying the election results, joining the union basically. But they set up this meeting on train tracks. Well, it was on a train. It was on a train. It was on a train cart. So, I mean, I I, I buy that. Okay. I buy that. But of all places to be, like of all fucking places to be, you know. You're on the worst track right now. (laughs) So the train's going towards them. Like I said, Armand is fighting Zoro. Elena is fighting Oddjob. His name's not Oddjob, but he's Oddjob, this henchman from uh, Goldfinger is what I'm referring yeah. to. It's a very iconic Bond villain. If right? you play as him in Goldeneye, you're a cheater. The bald guy with the <laughs> hat that is like, uh, he throws it and it's a razor sharp. Yeah. That guy. Like Kung Lao. Anyway, so Elena and him are fighting. She just straight up explodes him. She throws him on all the... The wine bottles. Uh, no, she... No. 
she uses a wine bottle. She like hits yeah. one there or something. They they were in the room with like, or they yeah. were in the cart with all the wine bottles. But she like threw one at him or something, and he exploded. He's pretty he's, cool. He's done. Yeah. Like I said, meanwhile, Armand and, and Zora are fighting, and he's supposed to be a decorated kind of like swordsman too. Yeah. So that explains. They why have he a pretty can... even sword fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, Chekhov's train. They go from fighting on top of the train to on the side of the train. They're like dangling from yeah. from train pieces. They then, make their way all the way to the front of the train. Literally like the grill the of the train. The grill of the engine. Yeah. That little like the part that like. Uh, it's kind of pointed. Yeah. So yeah. It's like the shit on the track, it just kind of like pushes it off. Yeah. That's where they're fighting. And basically, I think the kid uh, ends up switching the track back using the horse. The fucking horse does it on his own, by the way. He switches the track on his own. Uh, yeah. Not because the kid told Yeah, the horse to. is like, huh. I'll save the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> switches the track so they do not hit the governor and the other politicians and all the people celebrating. The train comes to a stop, or almost a stop, but Zorro gets but, off it and just yeah. lets... Because yeah, the train's about explode. to like hit like rocks or something because it's yeah, an yeah. unfinished track. Yeah. He just lets the train explode with Armand stuck on it, whips off <laughs> with Elena like in his arms, and then big CGI train explosion. And then you have the death scene where like the bad guy's just screaming right before he blows up. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Which they um, did in the first movie too. <laughs> but that first movie, the explosion was so well earned and it looked really good. It was like a real explosion. On like a big yeah. miniature or something like that. This was very CGI. <laughs> like very <laughs> CGI. Very poorly done. And then um, there's an Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. When he uh, signing... when he welcomes California into like the a, Union. Yeah, he's like a cameo. <laughs> okay, well, sure. <laughs> little do they know there's about to be a civil war anyway. Spoiler. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. At one point, Zorro, because then they're like, uh, they're getting dressed up. Zorro and Joaquin. And Zorro tells Joaquin like the secret... Like, the secret of Zorro belongs to all of them. And it just kind of confirms this movie's stupid theme that, like, they're all Zorro. Like, the whole family is a Zorro, you know? Uh, and then they have a they have a wedding. They were getting dressed for a wedding. So that uh, Elena and... Alejandro um, are getting married again. Married again, yeah. Can't you, like... I feel like you could, like, annul that divorce. Can... Is that a thing? I, I don't know if that's a thing or not. It might be easier just to get remarried. Do you have any lawyers that listen that can confirm whether you can annul a divorce? <laughs> They'll probably just be like, no, just get remarried. So they got remarried. That, that was the point of that. But then the bells go off. The five bells go off. And they're looking at him. They're like, I guess you got to go be Zorro. Go. And they're okay with it now. So nothing changed, right? <laughs> Basically. Well, California's a state now. Yeah, but Zorro's still being Zorro. Oh, yeah, point. yeah, yeah, Like, and now Atlanta's okay with it. But the family's in on it now. So it's, I guess, a little bit. Because they're all Their Zorro. family dynamic is better. <sighs> Look, this is... <laughs> Before, you know, before we did this, I was thinking, I was like, is this movie bad? Like, I, was, I really thought about it. I'm like... I've been thinking about it, too. Did I dislike it? Like, I don't remember. And now that we kind of went through the plot of the movie, I'm remembering just how bad it was. <laughs> like, this, the plot is, when you really think about it, it's nonsense. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't it doesn't bring up any interesting... No, the, this, like, this one's a lot more Hollywood than the first one. Yeah. It just feels, it feels like any other movie. It feels like you could take this plot and apply it to any other franchise of movies and you'd be like, okay, well, this is a serviceable movie yeah. that we can put out. It'll make some money, whatever. Same plot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't have to change anything. No. It, it's very, um, well, I guess we're talking about what we think about the movie now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the plot. That's yeah. it. So we're moving on. Yeah, so where do you, where do you, where do you, where do you stand? <laughs> I think it's, it's definitely entertaining. Like, it. 
was good enough to hold my attention the whole time, but I wouldn't sit like the first one's so much better. I was not entertained. Because you weren't entertained? This is one of those movies that felt like a chore. Like I kept on looking at how much time was left and I kept on wanting to look at my phone and I was <laughs> I was genuinely like bored. All right. You know? Yeah, this one didn't really hold me too well. Could it be because you felt so strongly about the first one? No, I want. I don't want this movie to be bad. I don't want to like the first one much better. Okay. I want this to be... On like, par? Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. And there were parts where I was like, oh, this is good. This feels like the first one. And but most of this movie, I felt, this is, this is not good. This is bad. <laughs> so this movie is directed by Martin Campbell, uh, same director as the last one. The main difference is that it's written by a couple of different writers. They still credit the first two writers, and I think maybe the first two writers... I'm pretty sure they were working on Pirates of the Caribbean at this point, and that's why they couldn't come back to do this. Okay. But I think they basically still got some credit for maybe having some idea. Maybe some they leftover. penned like an outline. Yeah. yeah. And maybe they had some leftover kind of treatment for a sequel yeah. that they get credit for. Which happens a lot. Yeah. But the book of this movie is written by uh, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into these guys because uh, I want to talk about them and keep her cancel. But basically... They're... We'll get into them quite a bit, actually, because they write a few comic book movies. Yeah, uh, they have like three movies that are on our list. <laughs> They're very much just kind of like popular, generic writers. Like, that's what they do. That's yeah. their bread and butter. And when you think about how this movie goes, I think this is a movie that that looks and feels like it's exciting, but it's, it's just kind of like a trick. It's like a magic trick. It's not really there. It's all smoke and mirrors. Right. There's no substance left. When you think about... All of the action beats and the plot points that move you from one to the other, it doesn't feel organic in the slightest. It, it seems reverse engineered. It seems like they're like, all right, well, we want to be on a train. We want an explosion. Uh, we want these things. They've got a big whiteboard. They're like, are we, these are the things we want. Now, right. How, how do we get it exactly. to happen? Like, yeah. write a path that leads through all of these pieces. Which you could do and still make a good story. But uh, <laughs> you you can. <laughs> this isn't one of those times. No. And I feel it's not the way that you should write a story either. No. So would you say, because I think the biggest weakness of this movie is just the writing. Yeah. The CGI I can forgive because a lot of that is just how movies were made at the time. And it, we're going to see a lot of movies in our list yeah, that are in the same sure, boat as that. Sure. But it's such an, like an overconfidence to think that like, oh, we can do it better with CGI yeah. in the year 2005. Than we can before when side by side, every shot of the last movie looks better than this one. Oh, I agree with that. And that was 1998. But I think what I'm saying is I can, I personally can forgive that part. The writing is what I'm not a fan of. Like, I actually don't like the writing of this movie. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm totally with you. But even other things like the way this movie, again, we talked about the action scenes. Mm -hmm. Part of what makes that first movie, The Mask of Zorro, so wonderful is... That swashbuckling, fun action. Oh, um, definitely. And we did say that last week, too. Yeah. That movie has some of the best stunt work I, I've ever seen. Like, bar none, period. That's it. Stunt work that now would be done in CGI. Now that the CGI is good enough, you don't see some stuff like that. Because they can just... You know what I mean? They can do it without putting people in danger. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas The Mask of Zorro, we had guys jumping off horses while the horses are running. We had guys doing, like parkour moves like side jumps from one platform to another platform I want to see more parkour in movies while, yeah for sure while sword fighting all the sword fighting was legitimate mm-hmm. 
all of the horseback riding was legit. All all of the stunts, all the flips, all the I think even all uh, of Antonio Banderas learned how to sword fight for the first yeah, time. Yeah, you can see it, and so did um Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, like you and see he's his an older man. Yeah, and you see his face. It's not that they use a stunt double for that those scenes. You see him doing the sword fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, this one they're pulling all the all the old bag of tricks. You know, like we said, it's quick cuts, it's close ups. At one point, instead of just doing a flip. Just get a guy that can do a stunt double. Get a stunt <laughs> double, do a flip, put it on camera. That's all they had to do. Instead, they had like Antonio Banderas close up, jumps from a platform. Then you see another close up of like feet moving, <laughs> like a flip. Yeah. And then another close up of his feet hitting the ground. It's almost like, like you said way earlier, it's like they were getting cheap with it. Yeah. Instead of putting in the work and like yeah. hiring the right people. Yeah. No, they got super cheap with it. And um, it shows. And the other thing was how much they turned this into kind of like a family film. That compromises a lot of the good action beats that we had in the last movie where you felt stakes because you're like... Because people were dying. People were dying. Exactly. Yeah. It feels realistic. When you have a bunch of a bunch of people fighting with swords and, and guns, yeah. people are going to get A, stabbed or B, shot. Yeah. And in this movie, none of it. I don't think we see... Like, again, some people do get blown up. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's more uh, plot than it is yeah, a consequence of the action. Yeah, you don't really see any of the any of like the I don't want to use the word violence because I wouldn't call that first movie violent. But yeah, no, there is fighting, <laughs> and you don't really feel like any of these characters are in danger. It feels safe. Yeah, yeah. and like I said, Chekhov's train. Why put? Because they're children. That's why I'm answering my own question. Because these guys, <laughs> these writers are children, and they're playing with toys. But why put? Like the final battle, two guys are having a sword fight on the side of a train. Like they're dangling off the side, having a sword fight. It didn't make sense. <laughs> like I'm not gonna say it's all bad. There's a couple good action beats in this. Right. They have a sword fight in the car of yeah. the train. That fight, that one was honestly not bad. Mm-hmm. But that is where you would be fighting somebody, not on the roof of the train. If, right. If you and I are having a sword like, fight on paper, it probably sounds exciting. Exactly. But. But it shouldn't... It doesn't really work. It doesn't work for me. Like, the first movie had... I'm trying to think of the most unrealistic fight scene in that first one. And it's, it might be at the site of the mines. At one point, they do, like, slide down yeah, like the mine cart a little bit. But it still feels real. Like, I don't know. Like, And the thing is... It felt like it happened naturally. Yeah. Like they were fighting and they fell. Exactly. Some of these superheroes, I'm thinking about this, some of these superheroes that don't have superpowers, because Zoro is by all means a superhero. Right. He's a mass vigilante. He has above normal skills. But you can realistically believe that a regular man can acquire those skills. You know what I mean? Through training, hard work, and discipline. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like everything he does in the first movie, you could find like an American Ninja Warrior. Who could probably do all that? Also, all that stuff was actually being done by people by, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not only is it believable, you can see the real people doing it. Yeah, it's not fate. So there is a there is a sense of like tangible believability when you look at that first movie, Zorro. And when you have these kinds of superheroes that don't have superpowers, you have to kind of treat them that way, right? I think a lot about how this compares to like Hawkeye, for example. Hawkeye is a superhero who has no superpowers. He is just very well disciplined at archery, right? Like that is his one skill. I mean, he's also like a good hand-to-hand, blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) another point. But if you want to do a character like that justice, you have to make his skills grounded in some level of believability, 
right? Yeah. And in, for example, in the movie Avengers, Hawkeye does a couple archery shots that make you question well, like, how yeah, realistic. He's like not even looking, and he shoots, and he hits somebody in the air. Yeah. yeah. Look, we both do archery on the side. <laughs> uh, we're not like obviously Hawkeyes, and there are people out there that are like basically as good as Hawkeye. Like, yeah, that is real. But some of the stuff he does in that movie, he doesn't miss ever. I've yeah. never seen Hawkeye miss. Which, like, they kind of make that, like, his thing, though. Sure. But if they just made him miss once or twice, I'd be like, okay, this is more... Like, he's still going to hit all his targets, but he's going to miss a couple. Mm-hmm. I would feel like that's a more realistic, non-powered superhero. You right. know what I mean? Even Captain America gets punched a lot. But yeah. that, even though that is kind of his bit. He gets punched, he gets back up. But... I don't know. My point is you have to be careful on how you treat these characters that don't have superpowers because it's easy to cross into the line of like, that's not realistic. I don't believe this character anymore. Mm. Because if it's Superman or Captain America or Spider-Man. You buy into it. You buy into it because you've already decided, oh, no, he has superpowers. So if he lifts up a car, you're not going to go, oh, wait a second. Has he displayed exactly this level of super super strength before? No, you're not. You're going to be like, no, he has super strength. Boom. Done. Now, Hawkeye. And Zoro can't lift a car, right? So there no. is a limitation where yeah. you would say, this is no longer believable. Yeah, when it comes to stuff like that, they are just regular guys. Yeah. In this movie, they kind of abandoned that, right? <laughs> because in the last movie, they wouldn't have tried having a horse jump from a train into a car, into a conveniently placed <laughs> stable car right as the train is going through a tunnel. They wouldn't have had a 10-year-old boy doing actual Zoro stunts, like front flips, swinging Jumping out of windows. Yeah. For literally no reason. Just because the teacher, like, called on him. Yeah. The teacher called on him to answer a question. <laughs> yeah. And he was kind of being a dick about it, too. Uh, the kid was yeah. being a dick. Yeah. You know, like, maybe he deserved the dunce cap if that that's what he was going to get. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, like, they sort of jumped the shark here with Zorro. And you don't have that kind of, like, believability and what he can do. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this character has any heart left in this one, like the last one did. It's just not fun. That last movie is so much fun, you know? Right. Like, uh, the writers kind of phoned it in on this one. Well, no, they got two idiot writers to do this. Uh, uh, all their work is, like, yeah. phoning it in. <laughs> and then, again, here's another thing, a problem I have with, like, this kind of writing, is that a lot of the premise of, like, the bad guy's kind of uh, plan is predicated off of secret societies and secrets and unveiling secrets. And I feel like what that does is it tricks the audience into thinking it's clever when it's not because it's basically like it's telling the audience like, hey, here are all these secrets that you didn't know about. You get kind of a national (laughs) treasure like rush. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, like, could there be like a secret society and like we don't know about it and they're controlling everything like, ooh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the writers didn't do that. No, they were... you filled in the blanks in your head. Yeah. All they said was maybe there's a secret society. And then you, the viewer, were like, oh, and you populated the story with all these ideas and feelings that you had from other stuff. Right. But then what they did was immediately like, oh, but, you know, we have a book and it's going to tell us all about the secret society. And what they do. Yeah. So why don't more people know about it then? <laughs> if it's published in a book. Because people aren't reading. Oh, people. Is it because they don't have TikTok? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's happening here? And as we read through this plot, I'm starting to see like how they're putting characters in places to move the plot. Just in. because they need to be there. Yeah. It doesn't seem organic. 
in the slightest. Again, a lot of times characters are just randomly running into each other. It feels too much. That's not a good. That's not good writing. This right? movie feels too much like a movie, if that makes sense. Hey, yeah, it, you, right. Like you're very aware that you're watching a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not really kind of like in it. You're not immersed because mm-hmm. you're thinking. You're thinking these kinds of things. Like, why have they visited the same set five times? Like, why? <laughs> why does this look fake? Like, what? What? <laughs> where did Zoro come from? Yeah. How did the priest know how to get there? How did Zoro know how to get how, where his son was? Why is his son doing front flips? There's just so much of that. I don't know. What else you got? Pretty much what we said. Like, And I think we could pretty much chalk all that down to, like, this is like a dumbed down version of The Mask of Zorro. Yeah. You and, know what this feels like? The direct-to-DVD sequels of, like, Disney movies. Yeah. It kind of has, like, that, um... That like, it's the same characters. It's the same cast, but... It's just cheaper. Yeah. It's a cheaper story. It's not as creative. It looks... Not as good. <laughs> like, it's not as clean and polished. You know what I mean? Yeah. The music's I, I not know as good. Mean. They got the same composer. He tried to do the same thing, but it's not as good as the first one. <laughs> it becomes just like a dumb action movie version of Zorro. And yeah. It just it loses all of the heart of what Zorro should be, I guess. There was a deleted scene, by the way, at the end of this, where they were going to show a grown-up Joaquin putting on the Zorro mask and riding off into the distance and the reason that they cut it was because they didn't want to rule out the possibility of more sequels they want to make more gotcha yeah so it's a classic downfall where they're like oh we need to we need to prepare to make five more movies they, and i mean they could they don't focus on one good movie they right? could have made a sequel with joaquin they, they could have kept trying i mean there have been so many of these franchises where like they make a bad one and then they cover and it up with they, a good one right you, you have to make two good you, ones to make can, up for the bad one you can make a good sequel to a bad movie oh yeah and we have plenty of those. And it seems like what happens is, like, you know, they misstep, they make one bad movie, and they just give up on the entire franchise. Yeah. And we do, we're do. we going to see a lot of that in this list. Yeah. Again, plan was to make more sequels. There was also, I'm about to blow your mind, it's not official, but they wanted to make a crossover with Django Unchained. That could be interesting. It's the right time period. So how this happened was that Django Unchained had a comic book spinoff i think was it like uh, a spinoff or like a sequel that like capped yeah, off the story or yeah one of, yeah one of those something like that um yeah. for jango and chang the tarantino version mm-hmm. uh meanwhile zoro has been in comics and so they did a crossover comic jango oh, and okay. zoro they they meet in they run into each other because jango ends up going as far west either texas or past texas and he runs into zorro and then they, they do some stuff together what's zorro then, doing in texas i don't know but then <laughs> tarantino apparently after seeing the comic was like i'd be down for this they should make a sequel <laughs> to both zorro legend of zorro and Django and chain and put these characters together um i'd watch it and having said that i'm like yeah the i mean actually maybe maybe not because Zoro is not like so much of the cold-blooded killer that no, Django the, is. The tone's very different, but you could make a good story where like both of the protagonists have very different views on what they want to do. But they're they're maybe going for the same guy or something. Yeah, but like yeah. you know, and they each want to do it their own way. Right. That could cause some tension between them, even though they're on the same side. If written well, it could be fun. Yeah. So, again, it was never a thing other than Tarantino going, like, right. hmm, like, maybe they should do this with Antonio Banderas. And that was kind of the end of that. Okay. There was obviously no more sequels to this. This is it for us. However, they are planning another Zorro iteration coming up. Is this going to be a reboot? 
So what they want to do apparently is a reboot from Robert Rodriguez, which is ironic because Robert Rodriguez was set to direct the first Mask of Zorro and he dropped out. Is that irony? Not really. (laughs) um, It's interesting. Yeah. But apparently it's going to be female-led and offer a modern spin on the popular story. I don't know if what they're saying, what they mean by that is it's going to be set in present day because they say a modern spin or is it a modern spin because like culturally it's a woman. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like Robert Rodriguez for the most part. So I'm, you know, if he comes up with something, I'm sure it'll be pretty good. However, I don't feel like Zorro should be set in the modern day at all. I think Zorro is very much married to this time period. First of all, historically, because he was written, what do we say, like 1919? But yeah. it, even then he was written at this time period, which was like 70 to 100 years prior, right? Mm. So what is Zorro going to do? We said this last week, up against like modern machine guns and right. like gangs. Well, and the whole shit. thing of Zorro is he's a, he's a man of the people in a time where there's like, you know, sort of like, not unrest. Unrest isn't the right word. Uncertainty. Because they're in California. It's like this new yeah, that's what, government. Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. That he's married to saving the Californian people yes. from oppression, right? From Whether it's Mexico, whether it's California, whether it's the United States, whatever it is, he's he's there to protect the people. And he's, even, like, he's a Batman and he's a Robin Hood, right? And even in this movie, they're kind of like, Saying like, yo, the time for Zorro is like almost over. Like exactly because we, we almost don't need him anymore. Yeah, what's gonna happen when the FBI is here? You don't need Zorro anymore. Yeah, you know yeah. And when what's Zorro gonna do up against like police? You, like I don't think it works in a, in a time period. What they yeah. should do instead, because it's not that I, I don't have a problem with it being female led. We said this last week. He even says like Zorro could be anyone. Yeah. anyone would be proud to be Zorro. But we said this last week too. Antonio Banderas now is the same age Anthony Hopkins was in that last movie. Right. So if they wanted to do a passing of the torch type thing, yeah, they could do it again. Do a soft reboot where you're basically doing this all over again, but this time Antonio Banderas is training a girl to be the next Zorro. Why not? Yeah. At the same time, you're at least still pulling from that old movie. You're now setting it in probably around like what eighteen seventy. Yeah. You're still keeping it in universe. Yeah. You're not pissing off as many of the old fans that would potentially come back to watch this. Sure. And again, Zorro belongs in this time period. And if you want to make a big splash by having it be a female Zorro, then do it in that time period where, where women would are be more, more oppressed. Yeah. I mean, uh, they still haven't earned the right to vote at this point. This is, again, 1870. They're not even close <laughs> to being able to vote. So... I think that is the perfect time period yeah. to do a movie like that. Not only that, you've got Joaquin running around. So what he's doing? Like you, you've already wrote this character in yeah, at you this make point. Joaquin he'd be, an FBI agent. Yeah, he, let's see, two thousand <laughs> two thousand five. It's been fifteen years. He'd be twenty five. So what's you, he you doing? You could use the actor again. I mean, maybe, but maybe. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, we don't <laughs> know if his any, skill held up. You can use any actor at this point. Yeah, but there's so many possibilities here. You can make Joaquin the bad guy. Think about it. You could, you could do an Anakin Skywalker where he tried to train him to be Zorro, but they didn't get along. He went off and now he's, I don't know, doing something bad. And now we have 
and Antonio Banderas Zorro, who's in a similar place in life as Anthony Hopkins was because he had lost his wife, he had lost his daughter, yeah. and he has nothing left but to train Zorro and keep the legend of Zorro going. Mm-hmm. You could you could put Antonio Banderas in a, in a similar situation where he lost his son, right, to whatever. Maybe he's doing crimes. Yeah. Maybe he's using all these new skills to do crimes. And he has to train this new female Zorro that he just finds off the street <laughs> um, to stop him. Like, right. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing here. All I'm saying is there's things you can do without doing a full hard reboot because that fucking first movie is so fucking good that it shouldn't just be thrown in the Phantom Zone and forgotten. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll see. How, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm open to it. Like I said, yeah. I like Robert Rodriguez. And that's if it even actually gets off the ground because this is super early. Yeah. So many things get like announced and then just never come to fruition. Yeah, this is so so early in the game, but yeah, so it's bad. Listen, that's it's bad. You got anything else before we move on to our next segment? Ready to move on. All right, our next segment is called Keeper Cancel. It's where we talk about actors or creatives, people in the movie. We decide if we're going to keep them or we're going to cancel them. So last week we did Anthony Hopkins. We didn't do uh, Antonio Banderas because we thought we'd save him for this week. Yeah. But I feel like there's just so many actors we're going to get to when we do Keeper Cancel that we're just going to be like, yeah, he's good. And that's that's all I got. <laughs> like, there's nothing super interesting for or against. You know yeah. what I mean? Thoughts on Antonio Banderas? Everything I've seen him in, I've liked him in. You see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Here's the problematic He's... nature of this segment. <laughs> you're going to get some some really good people, and you're going to be yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And I think the first time <laughs> I saw him was actually when I was a kid. Spy Kids. He was the dad. Yeah. And he's as charming in that as he was in Mask of Zorro. I think I probably first saw him in Mask of Zorro. Again, I watched Mask of Zorro a lot. <laughs> And Antonio Banderas wasn't in a whole lot of kids' movies until Spy Kids. So I wouldn't have seen him. And by the time Spy Kids come out... You were a bit older. I was a bit older anyway. So I saw the first one, and that was kind of it for me. Great actor. Spanish actor. He's from Andalusia. He seems like a fun guy. The only interesting thing... Because, again, he's a great actor. It's not that he's not interesting. It's just like, what am I going to say? There's nothing like... You know who he is. I feel like there's nothing controversial about him, you know? And that, too. But I I did see this on Wikipedia that he still has... That he still struggles with some pronunciations of English words. And in an article, he said, the word that really gets me is animals. I just can never say it properly. Whenever it's in a film, I have to change it uh, for a synonym. And then he goes on to say, in Zorro, I had a line changed from you look like a bunch of animals to you look like a collection of beasts. It works so much better, so I don't care. <laughs> and you know what? He's right. That Honestly, that's a much better little rewrite that he did. Yeah. If anything, it just supports our theory of last week when we were talking about Anthony Hopkins, that like actors get more pull than you realize when uh, re- right. like rewording their lines. Well, in this case, though, he was actually having trouble with the line. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a collection of beasts doesn't really sound familiar to me who just watched both these movies, though. Maybe, so yeah. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> Maybe he just kind of ad-libbed. He was like, oh, I said something else. I said it was something else and it was better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, I've got nothing bad to say about him, that's for sure. Hold on, I have his. Oh, yeah, he was Puss in Boots and Shrek. Jose Antonio Dominguez Bandera. So his name isn't Bandera, it says Bandera. Philadelphia. He was in an interview with the vampire. Yeah, I don't, who is he? He I plays someone named Armand. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't remember him in that movie. I was like six when I saw that movie. I saw, All I remember is Brad Pitt. I saw him not that long ago. I think he. I think he's not in it for very long. 
Because what, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. Mary Jane? Yep. <laughs> Let's see. Desperado. Have you seen Desperado? I have not. And it's pretty good. And uh, the sequel... Once Upon, Once Upon a Time, Time in Mexico. Mexico. Johnny Depp's on that one. Okay. It's that that one I've seen, one. actually. I've seen Once Upon a but I haven't seen the first the two. The first two, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of loosely connected. Okay. Uh, I definitely want to... I have these, and I've seen them, but I don't really remember much of any of Is them. Is it connected in like the Edgar Wright trilogy type of way? Where it's like no, 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 they're no, not they're, it's, sequels to each other, but they're... Something in between okay. because it's the same character. All right. Um, but his adventures are loosely connected. So it's almost like a um, like a Mad Max situation. Okay. Where, you, where like you don't have to watch the It's almost like one. an anthology. Like, you don't yeah. actually need to watch it. Because each movie important. is like him in like the middle of a new adventure. Exactly. Yeah. And anything pertinent, they're kind of, they're going to remind you almost of. Almost like a serial. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that first movie, El Mariachi, El Mariachi, it was like his first movie, Robert Rodriguez, and so he casted like a no-name actor. Okay. Uh, but then for the sequel, Desperado, uh, he has money, and so he casts Antonio Banderas as the main uh, character. And then the sequel to that is Once Upon a Time in Mexico, where he kind of goes up against Johnny Depp. Depp. I saw that one before I saw any of them because that was kind of the one that had the biggest budget. Yeah. And I remember like the marketing and stuff. But I mean, they're basically like action, Western action type movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and then Shrek, Puss in Boots, a bunch of Spanish language stuff. Like a yes. bunch. Like half the movies he makes are in Spanish. Makes sense. That is his native language. <laughs> Obviously Spy um, Kids. And he does actually reprise his Spy Kids role in the sequel to Machete. Machete Kills. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Which, it's kind of up in the air if that's actually connected to the Spy Kids characters, because they have the I've same seen, names yeah. and stuff, but, also made by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that, like, they take place in the same universe, but they're wildly, wildly different. And, and it's, well, it's kind of like, <laughs> well, also... one's like a G-rated kids movie, yeah. the other's hard R. Yeah. But it, it's also kind of like, it's the same characters in some ways, but... You're looking at it through a different lens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because when Machete shows up in Spy Kids, he's like, oh, the silly uncle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to know for sure if they're actually connected or if it's just like a fun little I mean, thing that they do. It's Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of him recently, Banderas, but he's he's done a bunch of good stuff, apparently. he's He played uh, Picasso kind of recently. Yeah, I feel like lately um, he's been doing more, like, serious roles. Yeah, most, more serious roles, exactly. Yeah. Look, like I said, what is there to say about him? He's great. He's in the Nasonex commercials. You know that You know that little B? <laughs> yeah. That's him. <laughs> That's him? Yeah. Oh, uh, and I've always known it's him. There's because I'm like there's no way it's anyone else. Every time those commercials come on, I'm like that's Antonio Banderas. Oh, I, his voice is very recognizable. Yeah, and I'm like, do they credit him anywhere? I remember looking it up one day and there was nothing. <laughs> but then finally, like, like I found something that said that's him for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah. Anyway, keep easy. Yeah. Moving on, I do want to talk about Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi. Oh, these fucks. These two fucks. <laughs> So they're a very sort of popular uh, writer duo. I don't know why they're... I guess they're good at writing, like, typical summer blockbuster type. Yeah. I think it's what we see in this movie. Because this is kind of one of their first yeah. kind of, like, forays into big blockbusters. But they know how to make a flashy movie that looks good in trailers, right. looks good on the poster, uh, and gets people Seems who, like they're more of, like, marketing type people. Yeah. Gets people who aren't going to think about a movie too much and dissect it like we are... Gets them to 
Buy tickets. Buy tickets and watch the movie, exactly. But if you take any of their movies and you apply more than like a minute's thought to it, the whole thing comes crumbling down like a house of cards, I think. <laughs> These guys did this movie. They did Mission Impossible 3. Is that one the one that's considered the worst one? Or no. Or is 2 considered the worst two. one? 2. 2 okay. is by far the worst one. 3 is... And again, these guys do some good stuff. So Mission Impossible 3 might be one of their better films that they wrote. Okay. J.J. Um, Abrams directed. Mission Impossible 3 is the one that kickstarts the whole series again. Because the first movie... Well, the, the second movie was so bad that it kind of like went on hiatus. This one kind of ramped it back up. It brought it back to yeah. life. And then we got, you know, three more movies after that. I think yeah. four, five, six. And now there's going to be a seven and eight. I've only seen six. So I need to watch. Oh, God. You need to I watch, need to watch the others. You need to watch literally all of them. But three is the one that kind of kickstarts it. So if you wanted to watch Mission Impossible, you could just start at three if you wanted to. You, you don't have to watch one and two. Although one might be my favorite one, actually. Would you say, like, the first two are more of just, like, character introductions to, like, how... No, so the the second one isn't even a good Mission Impossible movie. It it, it does not fit in with the other with the first movie at all. Uh, Is it, it canon? It's I I mean honestly, you can <laughs> say it's not, and you need to be better off if you just skip it. Because it's a John Woo like over the top action movie, which is not at all with the first one, which was no, very much just like those, a spy thriller. Those John Woo type movies are fun to watch, but is this one just not? It just doesn't fit. Okay. Like, not at all. Would you say if it was a different movie, it'd be acceptable? Yeah, different okay. characters, maybe. But Mission Impossible is all about, like... The spy sm- stuff. Like, smart spy stuff, yeah. yeah. And the first one has remarkably very little Well, that's little got action. the iconic, like, going down on the lasers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I probably need to watch Mission Impossible 3 again, but uh, they also did Transformers 1 and 2. Those movies are iffy. They, but right. they're not the worst ones. Two might be the worst. It might be tied for the two worst one. Two might be... T- well, I haven't seen the fifth one, so yeah. I don't know. But two and four I definitely are, say are four is the worst. Yeah. One is okay. Well, one I think is all one right. and three are probably the better ones. Although, I, I saw a video on three. I didn't rewatch the movie, and I, it might be worse than I remember. One is... It's a passable movie. They did Cowboys and Aliens, which we will watch. It's on our list. It's an interesting movie. Uh, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot. I actually like those. I like the first one. I don't love the second one, and I haven't seen the third one. I need to see the third one. The third one's apparently the best one. Okay. That's what everybody says. The one not written by them? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the and first then, one's fun, though. I like the first one. Yeah. And then Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is the worst one <laughs> by far. Uh, you're the one that says that you like it. I, but I, fuck I, that I guess we'll see how I feel when I watch it again, because I haven't seen it since it came out. If you look at all of these movies, you start to see like what I'm saying. They know how to make a flashy film mm-hmm. with these action set pieces, and then they sort of connect the dots between the action scenes, and that's kind of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like in this movie, okay, so Zoro sees an explosion. Why? Just so that he can try to tell Elena that he saw an explosion unsuccessfully, which goes nowhere, <laughs> right? So why have that in the movie? Oh, it's really just to kind of break up scenes for us, the audience, get our mouth kind of watered for what's coming up in the future but it does nothing for the plot you know and then apparently these guys are kind of obsessed with a few things so first of all roberto orsi is apparently a or allegedly a 9-11 truther oh like the jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams yeah those guys (laughs) yeah so these are guys if you don't know these are conspiracy theorists that believe that 9-11 was an inside job yeah they think bush did it right or also didn't happen that blows my mind because well, people saw it happen well they think that the no plane hit uh the pentagon 
Like they actually think Isn't that. Isn't there like yeah, a shit ton of evidence? Of course there is. <laughs> they just think a bomb went off and people said it was a plane because they saw the planes going into the Twin Tower. That's These kind of an insult. Insane. That's an no. insult to the people that were on the plane. Oh, yeah. And the people in the Pentagon that died too. Yeah. Um, look, it's no, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that like a plane hitting a very large building that is low to the ground and very spread out is mm-hmm. going to be different than a skyscraper that it's all built on top of each other, right? right? Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to get into this. No, it, that's... It's, it, it's ridiculous that these people ex- like believe the things that they believe, but apparently Orsi is one of them, oh. and he sneaks a lot of this shit into his movies. <laughs> all of these movies that we've listed, by the way, except for the ones that I haven't seen, like Cowboys and Aliens, have to do with uncovering secrets from the past. Right. Right. Which can be a fun concept in a movie. Sometimes. If implemented right. Yeah, like National Treasure. Yeah, um, those movies are great. But again, what they're doing is they're telling you, ooh, secrets from the past that you don't know. And you, your brain, your own imagination is filling in the blanks and making it more compelling. Uh-huh. Right. They're not doing it. You're they're, doing it yourself. You're doing the work and you don't even realize it. Exactly. <laughs> they're like planting the seed and then just... Letting you... Yeah. Letting you take care of it. Exactly. Yeah. Several of these movies have, like, Illuminati-type secret societies, like right. this one, and false flag operations. So, like, inciting, like, a like a war by way of a fake terrorist attack. So what they think 9-11 was. Exactly. They do it in this movie, where there's a secret society trying to incite a civil war right. for their own gain. Which, and, as a plot device, isn't the worst thing to do. But, again, if you're going to put it in all your movies... Uh, okay, but Clearly it's such a, you it's, believe something, but it's going such on. a fucking trend. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they've done it for multiple other movies because they do it in Star Trek Into Darkness, the second one. Yeah, that's they all. Do. That movie's actually about planning a terrorist attack to, and, to inside to, a war. It's inside a war, exactly against the so, Klingons. Yeah, so it is exactly what they think 9/11 was. Right. These fucking assholes. <laughs> um, they're also obsessed with magic blood. It's in several of their movies. In Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, Khan and their people have, have magic well, blood. They have, like, super soldier blood. Yeah, yeah. and it becomes a MacGuffin to save uh, Kirk. Yep. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Harry wants Spider-Man's blood. Because he has magic blood, too. To Which I guess he kind of does, but there's no proof that that no. would help him. Yeah, but so in that movie... Um, it's to cure his he, sickness. Yeah, but he discovers that... He has special blood for some reason before the spider bite. He already had shit in him that his, like... That's right. There was, was a whole, like, conspiracy thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes against the entire, like, concept of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That he is just a kid who randomly became a superhero. And now he has to leverage being a kid with the ultimate responsibilities that come with his powers. That's what Spider-Man's character is... In the second one, they're like, "Oh, your parents like have some sort of secret that they were working on, and and you're special, basically. Yeah. You've been predetermined to be a superhero. That kind of goes against what Spider-Man mm-hmm. is. But yeah, so he already had magic blood, and that's why he reacted the way he did to the spider bite that they also created themselves. So, which is a weird concept. But again, it's that sense of all right, we made a first movie, and now in the second movie, we're gonna uncover all these secrets." About his past. They don't end up uncovering the secrets, they, really, though. They don't, because they were trying to save me for a third movie. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the tagline, I think, for that movie was, like, secrets uncovered, too. Something stupid. I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about the movie. But again, it's just, what's <laughs> yeah. What's the point, you know? No, like, these writers, like, 
not great. So as I look at the list of their films, I like one of them, two of them. I like I two like of Mission them. Impossible and I like Star Trek. I guess I like three of them. I think if I saw Star Trek one again, I might pick up some of these things that they keep on. You know, this obsession with like fast paced films that once you kind of think about it more than once doesn't really make hold a lot water of sense. anymore. Yeah. yeah. That kind of uh, thing, I think I might pick up on it more now. So, no, um, cancel that. I don't want to see them making more movies because I don't like most of these. No, they... Um, And when you see, you know, having a pattern like this once or twice, you won't know the difference. Once you're making 10 movies and they all have the same pattern, I'm not interested in that anymore. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I feel like the movies that they made that I do like was just them throwing shit at the wall and just the right thing stuck. Yeah. But, again, Hollywood learns the wrong lessons all the time. So these guys made a couple movies that made a lot of money. They're they're like, like, holy shit, these writers are great. They're great. They make money. They're not good. They just know what sells. Sells, exactly. They know how to get money from dumb people, basically. Which, Uh, that's what Hollywood probably cares about in the end is getting the money. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. They're very well respected But here's the thing, though. If you're making good movies, you get longevity. You get people coming back for the sequels. And awards. Awards are worth money, too. Yeah. So... So, I mean, there's there's a healthy balance there that you yeah. got to find. These only, guys swing too far in the opposite direction. Yeah. Only awards they have are Razzies. Yeah. Cancel these fucks. Yeah. I cancel them. I don't want to say anything more. I'm embarrassed to share stop. a name with him. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Roberto, yeah. <laughs> um, also, stop sneaking in your fucking 9-11 conspiracy theories into my movies. I don't appreciate that shit at all. <laughs> so, that's it. Uh, final thoughts on Legend of Zorro. Roberto, go. I... I don't hate it. I'm going to say that. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is one of those movies where, like, I could see myself just, like, having it on the background and, like, looking at it every once in a while and being like, huh, huh. You know, like, it's nothing special, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, so I'm not going to throw this in the Phantom Zone. What? Really? Yeah. I've seen much worse movies than this, and eh, I, I don't hate it. I still had a little bit of fun with it. Your bar's all low for me, I think. I think, yeah, I think this is going to the Phantom Zone. For me, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again. It's not, it's just not worth my time, I think. Like, I kept some of those Batman movies. I kept all those Batman movies. You know, I didn't throw them in the Phantom Zone. Because I'm like, those are still, like, at some level, you can put those on and have a good time. Um, which is what we did. And you can talk about it, you can think about it. It's it's definitely worth, like, you know, being talked about. This is this is absolutely nothing. Like this is not. It, it has no fun parts from the first movie. It has nothing to make you want to keep watching Zorro. I feel like if they made a third one, I would need to watch the first one, then the second one, then the first one again, just to get like that bad taste out of my mouth before I watch the third one. You know what I mean? It's like watching them backwards order was almost. <laughs> So it's uh it's a no for me. Phantom Zone, uh, never going to watch it again. All right. So it sucks. It sucks that they're not making a, a third one to make it better. Like I said, they should bring back Antonio Banderas. They should do something different. They should ignore this one, only, go, only think about the first one. That's the trend nowadays anyways. Ignore, ignore the bad sequels and only like re- reference the good ones. Yeah, the Alien series did it. They're all doing it. They're all doing it. Terminator did yeah. it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Next week, we are moving on to... Do you want to say what movie are we moving on to next week? Daredevil. Daredevil. 2003. This was your pick. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen this one in a very long time, so I know it's a bad movie. 
I know it's a trash movie, but I am excited to watch it again. If this movie came out in 03, I haven't seen it since like 06. I think it was the last time I saw this movie. So I'm super hyped for it because there is a lot of talent in this movie. It was no better off for it. I think it's going to be another case of bad writing. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. So um, Daredevil, that's the one with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. Oh, do we know yet if we're doing the theatrical cut or the director's cut? Because there is apparently a large difference between the two. Let's let we'll look. Let's look into it. All right. And if anything, I think we should default to the theatrical and Since, maybe reference like the differences. Okay. You know what I mean? Since the theatrical is the one what that most people have out. seen, exactly. it's what ended up coming out. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, Daredevil is not available to stream right now, so you would have to rent it if you wanted to watch with us. I don't know why it's not on Disney Plus because they own not, it. Maybe it's, they just haven't added it yet. I, I think that's it because I think uh, it's it, not since it's not streaming on anything. I don't think there's any like licensing yeah. things. I think they could put it up, but they're just waiting for you know a slow month to be like, hey, by the way, you remember this old movie? Here it is. <laughs> I feel like that's what they're kind of doing with the X Men movies too. They, just, they, they, they were just like throwing them up. They're like, slowly one at a time. putting it up. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe by the time you listen to this, it's up on Disney Plus. But if it's not on Disney Plus, that means it's not on anything. <laughs> but I again, I own it. So Daredevil 2003, we will be coming back. We're also going to have a couple bonus episodes upcoming um, as part of a Road to the Snyder Cut. Yeah. I think. So that's kind of the next big thing that's happening. Yeah, we'll be talking about exactly. the movies leading up to it. Yeah. Including uh, the original cut of Justice League that everybody got right yes so no well our bonus episodes are going to be a retrospective on man of steel and batman versus superman dawn of justice that way we can kind of prep our bodies for <laughs> Zack snyder's justice league but we are also doing a regular episode on just the original cut of justice league or i guess the um, theatrical cut that we got the, yeah, the whedon cut the whedon cut yeah. exactly because now that the Snack Snyder cut is here, I, we decided to count the Whedon cut as the failed one. They're erasing that movie and making a new one. So. Well, they say they're not. They say that the Whedon cut is the official one, but we'll see. Because I feel like if this book, I mean, I'm not, look, I want this to be good. But if it's, and if it is good, then, you know. Why not go with Hamada that? Hamada and all the WB people aren't going to be like, no. Like, if this is the version that turns everyone around, then they're going to say, like, no, we need to build off our movies off of the Snyder yeah. Cut. Even if Zack Snyder's not involved, at least put that connective yeah. tissue in there. You know And what it's I mean? not like the Justice League movie has done anything of consequence for the DCEU yet. No, anyway. they completely ignored it. Yeah. It's been buried so deep. Like, they basically don't want you to watch it. <laughs> so why not, like, try to do something off of the Snyder Cut, you yeah. know? So I'm super pumped about the Snyder Cut. That's why we're doing the bonus episodes, but our regular episodes next week. We're coming out with Daredevil and followed by Elektra, and then we'll see where that takes us. <laughs> so you got anything else? No, I'm just I'm looking forward to the next few episodes. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to have a good time. So, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. Make sure to leave a rating and review. Try to tell a friend. <laughs> Get us some traction. Yeah. Tell, hey, be like, hey, like, have you ever seen the... You ever seen Zorro? <laughs> Watch these two fucks talk about it for a bit. Or any of the movies that we talk about. Sure. You can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at Films from PZ. Uh, and you can listen to us on YouTube. We don't have YouTube videos. But if you like listening to your podcast on YouTube, like on your computer, all our podcasts are up on there. So you can just put them up on YouTube. And you can put us on your TV. 
You could. Again, it's just a still image. You won't yeah. see our faces. No. But that is a thing you could do. Yeah, and if, if you're sitting there screaming at your iPhone about opinions you have and we can't hear you, hey, just go on Twitter. I will tweet back. I will comment back. I'm pretty good at commenting back and getting conversations started. So yeah. that's a way to... Um, it's a more efficient way to yell at your phone. Yeah. Right? We're down to argue and debate. Just don't be complete assholes about it, you know? Sure. Or do. Or, or do. That's cool. <laughs> if you're a real big dick, I'll read it on air. How about that? So other than that, we will see you guys next week. Yeah, see ya.